Radio presents the Dr. Julie Show, all things connected. Break through the illusion of separation, explore the infinite field of possibility, and make connections that inspire. Now, here's your host, Dr. Julie Crawl. Hello and welcome everyone. You're listening to the Dr. Julie Show, all things connected. Each week we gather right here to make connections that break through the illusion of separation. And I trust something you hear in this next hour will not only just inspire you about women's health, but also maybe shift the way you think about aging. Though we talk about wanting to age gracefully, the truth is that when it comes to getting older, we're programmed to dread an inevitable decline in our health, our looks, our sexual relationships, even the pleasure we take in life. What if everything you have ever learned about aging is a myth? I wonder about that. Our guest today says we have it in us to make growing older an entirely different experience, both in our bodies and for our souls. Explore how agelessness is all about vitality. The, and I love this. I love this quote. I just want to just break here for a second because I love this quote and I really want you to hear it. What if our agelessness is all about vitality, the creative force that gives birth to new life? Let's explore that. I love that, love that. I invite you to take a few deep breaths. Bring your awareness into this moment, open your mind, connect with your heart, and settle into your essential self as I introduce our guest, Dr. Christiane Northrup, board-certified OBGYN, former assistant clinical professor of OBGYN at Maine Medical Center, and New York Times best-selling author, is a visionary pioneer and the world's foremost authority on everything that can go right with the female body. I love that. Dr. Northrup is a leading proponent of medicine that acknowledges the unity of mind, body, emotions, and spirit, internationally known for her empowering approach to women's health and wellness. She teaches women how to thrive at every stage, every age of life. I am so happy to have Dr. Northrup here. I can't stand it. <laughs> Welcome, Dr. <laughs> Northrup. Oh. oh, how fun. Oh, welcome, welcome. You know, I, I told you before the show, I just have had you with me for decades here, um, working on my dissertation, discovering my own body, going through the stages of life, and and now... I'm looking at goddesses never age. Your wisdom has been this perennial um, gift to me in my life. So I'm so really thrilled and delighted to have you with us. Well, thank you because, you know, when, when I can talk to someone who has put these things into practice, into her own life, it's no longer a theoretical discussion. It's, okay, this worked, this is improving my life, and frankly... If it's not practical, if it doesn't work, if it doesn't serve, then to me it's really not worth doing. So I love that it has helped you. I especially like the the dissertation thing because that is such an ordeal, going through that rigorous left hemisphere gauntlet that is a a dissertation or 
you know, in my case, becoming board certified in OBGYN and all the hoops that one jumps through in our educational system, many of which are designed to do everything except make you feel good in your body. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. You know what? I think after my traditional first question, I might just um, bring up my dissertation topic. I think you'll love it. But I do have a traditional first question here on the show okay. because we like to set our conversation into this bigger meme, and I think it's really important. So um, it's kind of obvious, but can you share with our listeners, Dr. Northrup, what does all things connected mean to you? It means it's the like that butterfly effect, you know, butterfly uh, flaps its wings in Asia and then it causes some kind of thing to happen in Maine. Uh, the truth is that we have influence with our thoughts, our behavior, uh, our, our energy system that affects people far beyond what we could ever know. So, for instance, today you say to me, you have influenced my life for years. I have your books uh, sitting in my home. You helped me with my Ph.D. thesis. That is a perfect example of how we are all connected. And we're connected in a way that I didn't know that until you and I started to talk when someone comes up to me at an airport or something and says, thank you so much, you helped me save my uterus, or because of you I had three children painlessly, you know, I'm just sitting in my, my little milieu here in Maine, in a small town in Maine, uh, having written books and done practices that I thought were important for women's health, and it turns out those things that I discovered here in this small-town OBGYN practice are influencing and assisting women in China and in Africa and in India. It's, talk about all things are connected. It's amazing. Mm. And you mentioned um, social media earlier, too. We literally can just connect instantly with so many, and this... These messages that really make a difference are important, these positive messages. That's another thing I love about your work is is you're defining health and you, you take the positive approach rather than the negative. So thank you for that. I, I love that. Well, that's the, you know, the pretty much the medical system. Here's how I define women's health as it's done conventionally. Um, we haven't found it yet, but keep coming back because we will. I mean, that's, that's what we call women's health. And I'd be sitting around, you know, for years and be at these women's health conferences, and they were all about mammograms and pap smears and having your cholesterol, cholesterol checked and your blood pressure. And I'm thinking, where's the health? This is disease screening. This isn't health. Health is a whole different state of well-being. And I remember having breakfast with Andy Weil years ago, at a meeting of the American Holistic Medical Association, and Andy says, it is a peculiar and awful quality of modern medicine to undermine people's experience of how they are. So Mm -hmm. the current system is driven by fear, 
And what we call prevention is disease screening or vaccinations. This is not the same as vibrant health. And so that's why, you know, I like to say I'm the world's authority on everything that can go right with the female body because we have focused for so long on uh, women's health, meaning, well, get the, uh, get the organs that identify us as female um, out of there as soon as possible so that you won't die of cancer. I mean, that's what women have been taught to believe, that these yeah. organs are going to turn on them, and that's just not health. So there you go. Thank you. And, you know, I, I, I love when medicine is about health promotion and not disease, disease screening. But those very words were what really woke me up because back early 90s, I had an unnecessary hysterectomy for those oh. very reasons. Um, they couldn't find what was going on and there were a few things and they're like well it might be this so we've got to take it out it might be cancer so we've got to take it out and you have this and that will progress and then you and and all of a sudden um, after that experience I was wakened to understand how to really listen to my body and that all of that mattered and and your voice was the biggest influence in teaching me how to do that then I went into um, my dissertation was a phenomenological exploration of surgical menopause because again there's this huge vacuum then of a woman in her 20s and 30s having a hysterectomy and like you had mentioned, you know, the body, the uterus starts shutting down. Real things happen. There's there's communication between the uterus and the ovaries and other tissues. And nobody nobody had any any information about that. We still don't have a lot of it, right? Women's health, That's we correct. don't have a lot of that. Do you take hormone replacement, clear through till you die, or do you stop when you should go through menopause normally and in midlife? You know, we just don't know a lot about it. That's absolutely right. We don't. And, you know, the average OBGYN doesn't even know the difference between a hormone that matches exactly what your own ovaries would create, so-called bioidentical hormone, and something that is synthesized in a laboratory starting with a bioidentical hormone. Actually, they use uh, the base for all hormones is soy or wild Mexican yams, But then, most people don't know this, because you cannot patent a naturally occurring substance, they have to make them synthetic, something like the human body would never make on its own in order to patent the medicine and uh, earn a profit. So therefore, the hormones that women are given, by and large, in the birth control pill and in uh, hormone replacement, are not even native to the female human body. So my colleague Bruce Lipton, Dr. Bruce Lipton, who taught in medical schools for years and wrote The Biology of Belief, he said the things that happen from hormones or drugs are not side effects. They're effects. (laughs) I I love Mm -hmm. that. You know, because it's like, as you probably know, uh, properly given drugs, are the third leading cause of death in the United States. And that's because of the effects <laughs> that they have. 
So, therefore, it's always best when you can to take things from the natural world. And that doesn't mean if you've had your uterus out in your 20s um, and your ovaries, then in that case, you really need hormonal support. But I would like to say one thing to all your listeners who've had hysterectomies, and currently that's one in three women by the age of 60 in the United States, and that is that your body, and I learned this from Anthony William, the medical medium, wonderful man who's a friend of mine, the, the body is always working on your behalf to heal itself. It does whatever it can do, and, and therefore, even when you've had an organ removed, your body still vibrates in wholeness. So on an energetic level, you haven't lost anything. And I think that's incredibly important because otherwise someone like you, for instance, uh, realizes, oh, man, that probably didn't need to happen. Or women who've had both breasts removed for ductal carcinoma in situ, which is not cancer and which uh, that should never be done but is done all the time, uh, it's an awful thing to have a woman look at you, look at me after I give this information and say, I had a double mastectomy and I never needed to have it. It's uh, what a sacrifice. And, and so programs like this help us get the word out when the paradigm of medicine, as wonderful as, as it is for if you're bleeding to death or really need it, uh, is far, far skewed in the degree of let's just remove it surgically. You know, let's just cut it, burn it, whatever. I mean, if, if dentistry operated the same way as modern medicine, we would all have our teeth pulled in order to prevent decay. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. That really knocks you over, doesn't it? Doesn't it? It really yeah. does. And I know there's so many listeners who've had these things happen or... Let's just say that you want to know what age maybe your mother went through menopause because we tend to go through menopause about the same age. And so many women will say, you know, well, I have no idea because my mother had a hysterectomy. And then, and then I say, well, did she have her ovaries out? Well, I don't know. I mean, this amazes me that we have been brainwashed. It has to do with the conventional school system, by the way, you know, don't ask any questions, and we're just going to educate you to get the right answer on the test, not to think, and don't break the seal until told to do so. And so we, <laughs> we get these people who, well, the doctor said. Well, the doctor said. It's like, how about you? Don't you have any intuition? I like to say you have um, the inner wisdom of your body, and the doctor has a body of information. You bring those two things together, but neither one... Uh, really can always operate on its own. I mean, we, uh, I had a friend yesterday whose husband got a spider bite, probably a brown recluse spider, and so the legs swelled up like a balloon, and she used her healing methods, and we, you know, we did some fennel juice with apple, and that detoxes the body, but it was getting a little, you know, a little bit uh, discolored, so she took him into the, the quick care, and she said, you know, I just, was thinking, I don't want to mess with this. And that's really normal. We all need backup. But most of the stuff that happens to us, 
we can care for on our own. And the problem with modern medicine is, like you said, let's say you go in and you have an ultrasound and they say, we can't see the ovaries. Well, in a lot of people you can't see the ovaries. But if you're the doctor and you can't see the ovaries, then the onus is on you as the doctor to prove that there's no cancer. And you can't prove that with an ultrasound, so what do you do? You've got to go and investigate further. Or if you have a slightly elevated um, C125, which is a, a marker for uh, ovarian cancer, but it's a marker for endometriosis and a million other things. So once you get a screening test and there's even a slight abnormality, you're obligated to go further, even though the going further is not benign in any way. And that's why, for instance, with breast cancer, there's a huge number of women that to save a few, hundreds and hundreds are damaged by overdiagnosis and overtreatment. So therefore, what I want to say to people is, you've been brought up, we've been brought up to think that screening is the way to go. I went in and I got tested for everything. Screening is not benign. And I think people just do not know this because, as we've said, we have equated health with disease screening. Um, I would urge everyone to look at the work of uh, Gilbert Welsh, who was at uh, Dartmouth Medical School, where I went to school. And uh, he had an article in the New England Journal of Medicine about the overdiagnosis of breast cancer ever since we started screening mammograms um, way back. So the article is effect of three decades of screening mammography on, on breast health, and people can see that on the Internet. But what he says, this is very, very important, I think, for people to, to realize, the sort of the, the, bottom, the, the bottom line on this um, is, I want to get to the bottom here, it basically say two uh, out of 100,000 women, um, the large increase in cases of early-stage cancer from 112 to 234 cancers per 100,000 women, an absolute increase of 122 cancers per 100,000, reflects both detection of more cases of localized disease and the advent of the detection of DCIS, that's ductal carcinoma in situ, which was virtually never detected before mammography was available. And the problem with that is, um, he said, only eight of the 122 additional early diagnoses were destined to progress to advanced disease implying a detection of 114 excess cases per 100,000 women. So that means 114 women were diagnosed with something they would die with but never die from. And when I bring up these kinds of statistics, which have been out there for a long time, the bottom line there is fear is fear, yeah, yeah. And, and you know you see this all the time. So when we are 
um, we're talking about we're all one. Whenever a woman steps out of fear and says, I just don't think I'm going to do that, I'm going to step out of fear, the first thing that happens is, um, and this has been happening with mammography for a while now, there have been now documentaries on pink washing. Um, you know how we've all been encouraged run for the cure. It doesn't, hasn't done a damn thing to decrease the rate of diagnosis of breast cancer or the survival rate, but it's a feel-good kind of a charity. And if you look at the Susan B. Komen Foundation, for instance, let's talk about a massive marketing effort that really hasn't done much to... Uh, prevent breast cancer, which you can do by eating a certain way and also really by getting things off your chest and by leaving relationships in which you are abused. But that requires faith instead of fear. See, the breasts are two organs associated with giving and receiving and women have been trained, let's just call it the feminine in men as well as women, have been trained to distrust that feminine receiving, the feminine uh, process. You know, the masculine is um, no pain, no gain, or that the uh, ends justify the means. The feminine is, wait a minute, if my quality of life sucks, then why am I going to do this? Yeah, you've saved my life, but my life isn't even worth living at this point. The feminine is, what is worth living for? The masculine is, what is worth dying for? And we've all been brought up with the masculine approach, things worth dying for. And we each have to figure out what is worth living for. So I know a lot about medicine. I'm part of the tribe. And I didn't get a physical until I had to for life insurance recently. And then when I went in, I was shocked that they just have a you know checklist depending on your age because medicine is run in what's called cultural portals. So let's say age 50, got to get your first colonoscopy. Or in some cases, depending on whose guidelines you believe, because they're all over the place, Get your first mammogram at age 50. And as though overnight, from the time you were 49 till now you're 50, boom, all of a sudden your bones are going to start to disintegrate, your breasts are going to seize up on you, and, uh, and you're going to get colon cancer. It's not the way it works, but that's a cultural portal based on statistics, not an individual. So in Goddesses Never Age, I wrote a lot about cultural portals. For instance, the retirement age of 65 was created by Otto von Bismarck in Germany in 1880 to give people a little time off before they died. So the average life expectancy in 1880 in Germany was 24 months, 18 to 24 months. It's now 24 years, but we Mm -hmm. still have the cultural portal of 65 being when Medicare begins And when people supposedly retire, when in fact getting older is the opportunity to increase your value and competence. And I think this was shown so beautifully in Nancy Meyer's movie, The Intern, with Robert De Niro, 
contributing to Anne Hathaway's company so beautifully because of a lifetime of being competent and of service in a company. So what you find is right now we have all these incredible baby boomers with a whole lot of skill and a whole lot of competence, and a whole lot of us are saying, wait a minute, <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> I, you know, I don't think really that uh, this applies to me. So yes. I, w- I want people to just step out of the cultural portal. I even tell them, don't state your age and don't celebrate milestone birthdays. And here's why. We co-author each other's biology. So if I were to say to someone, oh, I'm about to celebrate my 70th birthday, then what do they say? Oh, you, you don't look 70, and, um, uh, you know, what, what is 70? The only time I've seen it culturally, a shift, is the uh, Netflix um, series. I think it's Grace and Frankie with Lily Tomlin and Jane mm-hmm. Fonda. They've got a lot of ageist stuff in there, but by and large, it is an absolute interesting show about what's possible as you get older. But I wouldn't even, I, I don't even care what someone's age is. I dance tango with the tango community, and really all we care about is whether or not you can dance. And as with <laughs> yoga, as with musicianship, as with a lot of things, the older you get, the better you get. And therefore, the youth thing really doesn't matter much at all unless yeah. you are, you know, a 20-year-old dancer with long legs, in which case all the men will dance with you because they don't care. But that's biology, and that's bigger than all of us. <laughs> oh, Dr. Northlop, this is so fun, and I, I really want to um, talk more about these cultural myths and really our paradigm of medicine and, and how they work together because this is really important. We are talking to a lot of baby boomers here. But we're going to take a quick break. Before we go, I, I really would like to know, do you get a mammogram? Never had one. <laughs> Never had one. Okay, listeners, you can find Dr. Northrup at drnorthrup.com. That's drnorthrup.com. We're going to take a quick break. More, so much more when we return. We'll be right back. lost a cat and have you ever wanted to get your cat back after you lost it hi there i'm andrew hoffman i went on this website called inventnow.org then i decided to make an invention of my own it's called the lost cat magnet invention so you can get your cat back after you lost it just turn it on and lost cats stick to it that's a good cat If your cat was hiding up in a tree, it won't be up a tree anymore. It will be stuck to the lost cat magnet. And sometimes they fly toward you in the air. Just listen to one satisfied cat. See, that's proof. You should go to the inventnow.org website too. But just remember one thing. Don't do a lost cat magnet. 
anything's possible. Keep thinking. Get started on your own inventions or just play some games at inventnow.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, the National Inventors Hall of Fame Foundation, and the Ad Council. Hey, Larry, mind if I sit down? Nope. This coffee tastes like uh, coffee. So what's going on? Not much. What's new? Not much. Okay, but can you please put the newspaper down while you say not much? What newspaper? This newspaper. Oh, dude! What happened to your face? I see one, two, Ow. three, four, five, six... Ow. Dude, what is Ow. this? Eleven pieces of toilet paper stuck to your face? I'm shaving in the dark to save energy. I'm helping the environment. That's a dangerous way to help the environment. Well, sometimes you have to sacrifice yourself for the greater good. Dude, there's an easier and safer way to help the environment without sacrificing yourself. Go green, go public. Take public transportation. It's good for the environment and you won't have to live behind a newspaper. Wow. But for now, put the newspaper back up. A message from the public transportation systems across the country. To learn more, visit publictransportation.org. I'm home, and I love it. I'm home, where I belong. I'm home, and I love it. I'm home, where I belong. It's always nice to come home. But these days, many Americans are at risk of foreclosure and losing their homes. Fortunately, help is available. Making Home Affordable is a free program from the U.S. government that has already helped over a million struggling homeowners, and we want to help you. I'm home, I'm home, and I love it, I'm home, I'm home. Find out now what your options are. Go to makinghomeaffordable.gov or call 1-888-995-HOPE. The sooner you act, the better chance we can help you. I'm home, I'm home, where I be. Brought to you by the U.S. Treasury, HUD, and the Ad Council. Now, back to the Dr. Julie Show, all things connected on Empower Radio. Welcome back. Hey, if you're inspired by our conversation today, I invite you to share it with others and maybe listen to it again. And I know you're going to want to share this one with all your female friends and even those men who love us. So please visit our website at thedrjulieshow.com where you'll find all the archive links, as well as listings of upcoming guests. And also, stay connected all week on our Facebook page, All Things Connected with Dr. Julie, where we continue the conversation. And we're talking with Dr. Christiane Northrup. You can find out more about her, all her books, programs, upcoming things. There's so much there. That's drnorthrup.com. That's drnorthrup.com. Dot com. And Dr. Northrup, right before the break, I asked you if you had received a mammogram, and I, I really appreciate us setting this whole conversation into this paradigm of medicine and our cultural myths, because we do have this fear-based okay. disease screening medical model. And in fact, my family practice doctor doesn't even want to see me if I don't have a mammogram, and yet I've only had one in my lifetime. I don't think I'll ever have another one. And at the same time, will not prescribe bioidentical hormones because there's no research and she's not comfortable. And and so really, I go elsewhere. But here we have this. I want to bring our conversation in from this place of this fear-based disease screening medical model and all of these cultural myths really into our aging as well because you write 
so well about all of these myths, myths about women, our relationships, myths about our bodies, myths about the earth. So what more can you say to bring this in so we really can and look at all these myths about aging as well? Well, let me just, uh, I want to circle back a minute to the uh, mammogram thing and, and to say we, it, you, you've got to have something to replace the faith that you've had in there, medicine yeah. to save you. And yes. there is a place for mammograms, so let me be clear on that. And my colleague, Dr. Larry Burke, who wrote a book called Let Magic Happen, is a very skilled radiologist. And he has published a study on dreams as a very good indicator of whether or not there's breast cancer, whether or not to have a mammogram. And he has discovered that a dream that you have breast cancer or fear of breast cancer is a very good reason to have further testing because that is your body's wisdom coming to you from the subconscious. The intellect is not operating during dream time. And so we have this inner guidance always coming to us. The title of my book, Goddesses Never Age, is actually referring to the part of us that is eternal, that is ageless, and that is our souls, and our souls speak to us through synchronicity and that kind of thing. So uh, a dream of breast cancer would probably be a decent time to get a mammogram or the screening model of choice for me and for many others is thermography. And I want people to know when they say, well, there's not enough research on this, uh, everyone needs to understand that the only research we find is research from uh, drug companies that supports the current agenda. I mean, we have studies that show that eating carrots and apples every day decreases the stroke risk hugely because of the antioxidants in fruits and vegetables. Well, do you think the organic farmers of America are going to be able to get together and fund $2 million study on stroke prevention by eating carrots, it's never going to happen. The only reason research is done is because you have a grant and somebody who is funding the research. And by and large, research is funded by drug companies. Now, let's mm -hmm. get to the myths of aging. And first of all, I don't even like to use the word aging because aging to me begins at the moment you're born. So we don't say to a two-year-old, you're aging very well. You're learning how to walk. You'll be up on your feet. And, you know, before you know it, you'll be 10. That's two digits. So you're really getting up there in years. And, you know, and then if you're a woman, um, if you look at most of uh, written human history, your value is pretty much gone by the age of 25 because you're no longer young and fertile and it's getting too late for you. There are people listening, I know who have been told that they're reaching their expiration date if they're not married by the age of 25. So let's be clear, ageism affects everybody adversely in this culture. So I like to use the word growing older, and in the words of Dr. Mario Martinez, who has studied 700 healthy centenarians all over the world, he says, getting older is inevitable Aging is optional, and therefore I want to stick with that. And in the people that he studied, this is important, 
It doesn't matter if they're in Mongolia or Ireland. They all have exactly the same things in common. Many of them have gone through all kinds of hardships. We think that longevity is associated with genetics. It is not. Genetics maybe contributes 20%, but when you talk to healthy centenarians, they'll tell you that their parents died at 75, 66, that kind of thing. So it's not genetics, and uh, it's not lack of stress. They've all had the same stresses of everyone else, but they have handled them with some what I would call soul quality. So I want to give you an example of that. One of the women in his study is over 100. When she was, I think, 11, 12, somewhere like that, her mother had a boyfriend who sexually abused her, and one day she went into his bedroom, put a kitchen knife up to his crotch, and said, you touch me again, and I'm coming after you with this. He left the house the next day and never came back. So she rose up in her soul qualities in probably 1920, before we even had... uh, Now, women got the right to vote in 1920, so there were the suffragettes and there was a women's movement. Um, There's much more now, of course, but every one of these healthy centenarians has a... A tremendous sense of themselves. They participate in righteous anger. Righteous anger is this. When you see a kid being abused at the next table at a restaurant, or if you see someone mistreating a waitress, and you see that that waitress's innate innocence is being threatened, you say something. And that, believe it or not, improves your immunity. Now, your show is you know, being how we are all one. Well, the body and the immune system has morality. And when we see something that is um, actually decreasing the innocence of someone and we rise up to say something, our immune system improves. And that's fascinating to me. The other thing that these people do is they participate in two things Dr. Martinez talks about and that is um, elevated cognition and exalted emotions. So elevated cognition is this conversation that we're having now. It's not a doom and gloom conversation about Brexit. It's literally, this is what you can do right now. And then exalted emotions are everything that you can do that feels glorious, looking at a sunset, which wires in uh, a sense of trust in the universe because the sun rises the next morning, gazing at the stars, looking at the moon, lying on the grass to get the, um, the anti-inflammatory properties of the electromagnetic field of the earth coming up through your body and decreasing cellular inflammation by doing that. This, this, thing, this creates exalted emotions elevated cognition, being on the Facebook page for this radio show where you share with others how a rising tide lifts all boats. Everywhere you go in the media, and if you've done any mainstream media, we know if it bleeds, it leads. And therefore, we now have news cycles that are 24-7. 
which means that a bunch of people have to pick the worst possible thing to compete for your attention and make it worse and worse and worse and worse, because if it bleeds, it leads. But Mm. each of us has the power of choice to change the channel. And when we understand, and this is so important, that our choosing to change the channel is not denial. It is using the power of our own electromagnetic field to make a difference in a positive direction. It's not putting your head in the sand. It is saying, let me, as a human being in this body with an electromagnetic field that extends for many feet out in front of me, let me be part of the solution. And whatever sadness, anger, despair arises within me, let me meet that with love and acceptance and not knowing if you don't know what to do. And therefore become the part of the planet, the part of the collective that is actually meeting negativity with exalted emotions and elevated cognition. That's what each of us can do, and when we do that, we have a positive effect. There were studies in the New England Journal of Medicine that showed when one person stops smoking or loses weight from a solid uh, nutritional program, they positively influence people at four degrees of separation from them. There's a whole department at Yale University on exactly this phenomenon, this connectivity phenomenon, how one person doing something positive affects people at four degrees of separation. Isn't that amazing? So like this elevated cognition and exalted emotions become our immune response. When you say change the channel, it's like our collective human bodies, immune cells, we become them and we're out there creating positive healing responses, looking at our wholeness again. I love that. I love, I love how you brought that into the conversation. Good, because that, you know, otherwise you, you turn on the news and you would just be inundated with imagery and music and all of that that says, I might as well kill myself now because that's where we're all going. Yeah, and so then look at the human, the, the, our, our whole immune response when our system's in fear is so compromised and what do we do we turn on the news and we see fear and our body (laughs) constricts and and that's not that and I love this I love when you talk about empowering women's health from the place of looking at what works and looking at what goes right in our body when we're in a fear response not very much goes right we compromise that well, we do, and, and there's good biological reasons, and one is that the elaboration of the stress hormones, cortisol and epinephrine, uh, depress immunity, imbalance hormones, and are the root cause of cellular inflammation. And then on the other hand, the exalted emotions produce oxytocin, prolactin, bonding hormones that make you feel at peace, and then there's the, the real um, ecstasy hormone, DMT, which is produced in the pineal gland, and it's uh, produced very high levels, believe it or not, at the moment of death and also during orgasm and also during birth. So it's as though we are wired to arrive 
on a cloud of ecstasy and exit on the same cloud. And all of these things, the exalted emotions, elevated cognition, produce lots of what's called nitric oxide, which is a, a gas produced by the endothelial lining of every blood vessel in the body. This increases circulation, lowers blood pressure, and is the uber neurotransmitter in the body. And when levels of nitric oxide are high, then the levels of all the other neurotransmitters, serotonin, dopamine, beta endorphin, are balanced out. And we now have a situation where way too many people are on psych meds, some of the very most addictive medications in, in history. It takes a long time to get off them, though you can. And you don't need those because the body is actually designed to produce those. No one has ever found, this is important, no one has ever found a, quote, chemical imbalance in people who are depressed. To learn more about that, um, there's a book called A Mind of Her Own by Kelly Brogan, who's an integrative psychiatrist, and she talks about the research that led to so many people being on psychiatric medication that we don't need. But what we do need is we need love and we need acceptance, and we need to know that we're not destined for inevitable deterioration. So let me give you a fact that will uplift your female listeners, and that is uh, the research that is uh, by uh, Gina Gina Ogden showing that it is women in their 60s and 70s having the best sex of their lives. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you for that one. Thank you for that one. I love that. Well, you know what? I think this whole conversation is really important, and I just want to give you just a few minutes Um, I always like to say that the medicine needs to match the consciousness. And when we're talking about this mind-body connection and this holism that we're talking about, um, let's give our listeners, and we just have about 10 minutes. I want to make sure I can also bring up your supplement for menopause, which is important. But what are some of those healthy mind-body prescriptions? What are your daily practices that create this agelessness that we're talking about? Beauty, pleasure, the divine, there's so much there. Just Let's just touch on it if we can. Okay. I really, at the moment, I'm doing a, uh, a thing, a daily gratitude video on Instagram called, uh, you know, three, 366 days of gratitude, which I started January 1. So what it does is every single day, I make this little video on something I'm grateful for. When you do that, you begin to focus on all the great things around you. And in a very short period of time, because you're constantly looking for what to write down or what to say or what to take a video of, uh, it changes your whole focus. So that's one thing. The second thing is I record my dreams. I get up in the morning and I record them in my iPhone and then at the end of a month I'll write them all down. There's tremendous amount of guidance in dreams. Uh, so I do that. I also uh, exercise regularly. I do Pilates twice a week. I mean, really, we have to move the body. I'm very interested in fascia. Fascia is a secondary nervous system in the body. It's where the acupuncture meridians run. And so I do this thing called resistance flexibility started by Bob Cooley, and uh, all the acupuncture meridians can be stimulated by doing these specific uh, yoga asanas, but keeping the muscles contracted while you're moving the body. This is quite different from 
conventional yoga. Um, and then the other thing is, because I know all this research, and because I expect my life to keep getting better and better, it actually does. <laughs> Amen. Yes, yes. Yeah. Thank and you. And it doesn't, I, I want people to know this, it does not have to do with uh, finding the love of your life. It doesn't have to do with getting your weight at a certain uh, place on the scale or your, you know, a dress size of six. It doesn't have anything to do with any of that. It is an inside job. And I can tell you that only because I have tried all the other routes, and they actually don't work. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for that. And I just I want to remind our listeners that your book, Goddesses Never Age, and, and all your books really have so much information, but everything from really understanding the role of affirmations to moving our body to really redefining our beauty and really stepping into that and embodying the divine. There's there's so much here and and I recommend it highly. It's called Goddesses Never Age. So we're learning how to be in this radiant vitality and, and well being of this ageless body as women. And you have created a supplement for menopause. I really want you to just, if you can, in, in the, a few minutes, tell us about that. I can, absolutely. So a while back I was introduced, uh, believe it or not, via Archangel Michael uh, to a man in Thailand named Dr. Sanford Schwartz. And he told me about an herb that's been used in Thailand for 700 years by men and women called Peraria Marifica, which means miracle herb. And so I started to do what was necessary to create a supplement for women to be able to, and men to be able to take this uh, supplement. It contains a very unique phytoestrogen, unlike anything in the known world. And what it does is it keeps a woman's body uh, very, very moist and the collagen juicy and so on in a completely healthy, natural way. And now with the war on formulary pharmacies that's happening, this is really something that a lot of women will find very, very helpful. It's good for perimenopause, meaning the 6 to 13 years leading up to the final menstrual period. And uh, it is a CIRM, a selective estrogen receptor modulator, really. Lands on the beta estrogen receptor, not the alpha. Doesn't act as a growth hormone. And what I love, if you go to our website, which is amata.com, A-M-A-T-A.com, you'll see the testimonials where women are finding they can sleep again, often within four days. Um, moisture is back in their bodies and in their genital areas. Uh, mood often is enhanced. Sleep is improved. So I'm thrilled with this stuff. And we also have a vaginal moisturizer because so many women uh, they enter perimenopause kind of worn down with adre adrenal fatigue and so on. So their bodies are not making the right balance of hormones, and this can really help ease you through the vaginal moisturizer. Uh, the stuff lands on the vaginal estrogen receptor and thickens the tissue. You can see the studies on PubMed on Prairie Marifica and vaginal tissue. So I really put myself out on a limb and created this company, and we're, uh, we're having great success. 
with reaching those women, <laughs> is what we would say, who are attracting this information. It's a wonderful, wonderful product. Excellent. So can women use this as a supplement to hormone replacement therapy, or is it not um, a supplement? It actually, it is... what, here's how I would say, start with this, because many, many women who are on this do not need hormone replacement therapy. They find that their symptoms go away, so they don't even need it. And I think wow. that's important. And you could, many women can switch from one to the other if they want to. But, you know, again, whenever you're doing a switcheroonie, you should take the herb first, get it going in your body for, you know, a couple weeks, and then gradually get off the hormones. That's how you would do that kind of thing. But it mm. contains a, a little bit of Atlantic kelp for iodine, which women need, a little selenium, methylated folate, uh, some stuff to help the liver assimilate and metabolize the herb, but we also have the pure herb. Uh, we call it um, PM Pure for those women who are already on a lot of vitamins and minerals and just want the herb alone. So that's the, that's the product line. We also have one for men called Thor. It's ginseng, butia, and prairie morifica. Very helpful to protect the prostate because in men, Prostate cancer is the breast cancer of, of men, really. They're kind of parallel. The PSA test is, again, one of those tests that overdiagnoses men. Uh, what we find with this herb is many times men don't have to get up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom so much when they uh, start to have prostate enlargement, so it's protective of that. Mm. Well, thank you for that. I wish that we could just do a marathon or a series of these because we barely scratched the surface and our hour has gone by so fast. But Dr. Northrup, <laughs> thank you so much for sharing everything that you did. And I, I always love to listen to you as well as, as read, but it was really a delight to just sit and have this conversation with you today. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, and thanks for being available to my material way, way back. <laughs> oh, you betcha. I, I have given your book to so many people, and I have a daughter, and she owns it as well. And, and yes, uh, almost every book, I'm sure. I, I need to look and see if I'm missing any, but I don't think I am. So. Okay, wonderful. This, yeah, it's been a delight, and I just want to remind our listeners, we're talking with Dr. Christiane Northrup, and you can find so much more, and, and there's links to the hormone replacement, everything. Go to drnorthrup.com. That's drnorthrup.com. And remember, together we create connections for the greater good of the whole. Until next time, I'm sending you a world of love. Bye for now. 